Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, hello there. What's going on? It is Monday. Happy Monday to all of you. Hopefully you're not tied down in an office or doing whatever it is that you don't like for work. Hopefully you're doing something you enjoy as I am. Talking football with you. What could be better? It's a fantastic way to pass the time. Uh, There's been a lot of goings on, obviously, since we talked last on Friday. Uh, You've reached the Locked On NFL podcast from the Locked On Network, by the way. Check out the entire network. It's good draft cover, Locked On NFL Draft, Locked On Fantasy, plus all your favorite teams. Um, Check out the Locked On Vikings, Locked On Packers. That's the first team we're going to talk about. First game we're going to talk about. And and as I was watching this game, I kind of took notes chronologically but the big picture here is what a win from the Vikes. You know, opening your own state, your new stadium with your new quarterback, who might be your long-term quarterback. I mean, I think that's a possibility. You lose your star superstar running back who is doing nothing, and that doesn't look good at all. And unfortunately, that was a big theme this on yesterday was a lot of injuries, a lot of running back injuries. And we'll have to monitor those as the the week goes on. But we're going to spend some time going over all those as well. The Peterson one does not look good. But really, I mean, we know the Vikings have a good defense, a real good defense, very good defense. But the way Bradford played and Stephon Diggs, and I've been saying for a little while now, Stephon Diggs is going to be a star in this league. And every time I watch him, I like him more and more. Clearly, that was the case again last night. But think about Bradford's situation. I mean, <laughs> this guy is new to the team. He destroys his left hand, basically. It does a number on it, at least, early in the game. Takes a lot of hits in this game. Very, very little pass protection. This offensive line should be better for what they've put into it. But the the Packers' defensive line deserves credit here, too. You know, especially Mike uh, Daniels. He's a really good player. Um but they gave him all they could in protection, and there was nowhere for, for Peterson to run yet again. Although, like I said before, I'm starting to worry a little bit about Peterson. You know, what's he gonna, what is he at this point? And now it might not even matter, unfortunately. You know, but a new offense for Bradford, under pressure throughout the night. Not the greatest group of receivers outside of Diggs. Man, he played well. And, you know, I talked about this on Twitter afterwards, and I'm not making fun of the guy, you know, and. So I guess he sort of been backhandedly, backhandedly, is um, is this the greatest point? Or is this the greatest uh, achievement of Bradford's career to this point? I mean, it might be, and I, I think a lot of you know that I've been somewhat of a Bradford believer, and I think he gets a more of a bum rap than he deserves. I thought he played very well the second half, not or played well the second half of last season once he got acclimated in Philadelphia. And some people said, you know, hey, he was Rookie of the Year. I mean, that's a, a high point of his career probably, too. But this is in the conversation. You know, it really is. I mean, it, it was quite an achievement last night against a high-quality opponent. Um, you know, Green Bay blocks a punt early. 
Uh, Bradford was taking a lot of hits and needed to get the ball out quicker. You know, these are just kind of my chronological notes that I have here. And, you know, Green Bay quickly gets on the board, 7 nothing. Um, and this was a theme, too, was those early fumbles by the Packers, they were recovering all their own fumbles there until the end when it really was a big deal. Um, you know, they had three of them, and some, most of them were on Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers didn't protect the football nearly as well as he usually does in this game. Um, I'm still not sold that Jordy Nelson's Jordy Nelson. I'm still not sold that this this staff does a good enough job of scheming wide receivers open. It was a huge criticism of them last year. I think there's some of that still going on for sure. So what were some other things here? You know, early on, I mean, the Green Bay defensive line was just kicking the crap out of Minnesota's offensive line in both phases. You know, Peterson couldn't get going at all. Bradford was constantly under pressure, but he was he still made a few nice throws even when, you know, early in the game when the going was tough. You know, he, he made a couple, three or four. It was like, whoa, you know, there's no way Teddy makes that throw. There's no way Hill makes that throw. Uh, and there was five or six of them probably in this game when it's said and done where it was like, wow, that's a pretty throw. Um, and one of them was a really nice corner of the end zone throw to Kyle Rudolph to make it 7-7. Um, and Walsh, who's been kind of struggling lately, hits that field goal right at the end of the half to go 10-7 into the into the, the locker room. I thought that was big. You know, get some momentum going into the locker room at home. Place was pretty fired up. Fired up. Um, but again, Bradford and Diggs were really the story here. Um, how about Waynes? Trey Waynes. He's another guy we got to talk about here, too. Is You know, first-round pick last year. Big, long, fast. You know, looks the part as a first-round corner all day long physical too physical guy is so grabby i mean that was a that was a knock on him coming out of school last year is you know he got flags at the college level he's got to learn to keep his hands off because he can't get away with that at this level man he hasn't learned at all i mean he is grabbing the whole way down the field all day long but to his credit he got the big interception to basically seal the game good for him but, man, I'm worried about him. I mean, if he has to play a lot, he should be better with this at this point. You can't just be grabbing receivers the whole way down the field every route. I mean, what are you thinking here? And, and Xavier Rhodes didn't play again. So, I mean, that's why Wayne was thrust into the action. Um, what else we got going here? Yeah, the Peterson was, man, that was his 12th carry of the game. There's about three minutes left in the third quarter. I assume we will see a lot of McKinnon. I know they like Asiata too, but I think I'm actually kind of excited to see what McKinnon will bring. I think McKinnon is one of those guys that, you know, his next stop, if he was going to be a free agent or if he got an opportunity like this, I think he can really capitalize on it, particularly as a receiver too. And, a, and he's a big body. He's not just like a, he's not a scat back type at all. Um, Sam Shields did not play in this game and Hyde hurt his ankle in the third quarter too. So, what looks like a very good deep secondary is dealing with some injuries. We'll see how that handles things going forward. But none of them could handle Stephon Diggs. Diggs was an outstanding player. Um, Rodgers obviously did not play his best, but he did a really good job of, of buying time throughout the night, as he often does. Uh, made a really nice throw and a scramble touchdown to make it 17-14. A lot of penalties for the Vikings too. They, they kind of they didn't get lucky, and that goes back to you know uh, Wayne's to some degree too. But uh, they were fortunate that it didn't come to bite them more. But 
far too many many penalties. That needs cleaned up for Minnesota. Um, yeah, there was a minute minute fifty left in the game, and Wayne's picked that that interception off. I'm sure most of you saw this game, and it was a good one. It was certainly a good one. Um, the Vikings though played tough, you know, and I think Bradford brought some of that. Zimmer absolutely brings some of that. That they're not going away. I mean, this team to me is a playoff team all day long. Um, they're a quality opponent. I mean, they're a quality team. They're two and zero. They're on top of their division. They're the only two and zero team in the division. So they're sitting in good shape. You know, this it's all looking like it should be going better going forward. And that's even without Peterson. I hate to say that, you know, but um, if, I'm just saying Bradford should only be better going forward. So, I guess that's about it. Um, oh, here's, here's a stat that I wanted to show you guys, too. That I think this is from Pro Football Focus. I retweeted it last night. So, the Vikings, on the 48 plays last night that Stephon Diggs did not touch the ball, they averaged 2.1 yards per play. It's pretty bad. The nine plays he did touch the ball, they averaged 20.2 yards per play. Not obviously you don't get the ball to him 48 times, but that's pretty telling. You know, that, that's a big discrepancy. And, you know, I'm also sitting in the back of the corner of my mind going, well, what about Treadwell? I mean, by week 8, 10, you know, is he going to be a force out there too? I mean, you can't just totally forget about him because he hasn't done a lot in the preseason. You know, Bradford gets more acclimated. Diggs is your number one. So... You know, the defense is still going to have to be the story, but the defense is really good. Coming around on the Vikes for sure. All promising except for the, the Peterson news, but they, I think they're equipped to handle it. I, I would like to see the offensive line play better without question. Okay, I also just want to scan some of these injuries too that, that happened yesterday. And Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he will probably be out for at least the next two games while Brady's suspended. Jacoby Brissett. I mean, this is a tough situation. <laughs> I mean, they were beating the, the pants off the Dolphins, and the Dolphins came back after Jimmy went out. Garoppolo, I thought, played very well in, what, the six quarters or so he, he got as a starter in the regular season. Far exceeded my expectations in both games. I also think they've done a very good job of scheming things up for him to play to his strengths and make life easier on him. But Brissett... I mean, we'll talk about Thursday night game soon, but he's got a super short week against an elite Texans defense, at least he's at home, to prepare for. And I'm not going to make the mistake like I did in week one and say, boy, the Pats are doomed, you know, because, you know, they didn't have Gronk, they didn't have, you know, Brady in week one and playing the Cardinals. Never going to sell that sell that organization short, but that is a tall order. And, and Brissett does some good things. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But, I mean, to get him prepared for Thursday night against Houston is going to be a tall order. Josh McCown, he really gutted through this injury. But my hunch is we're going to see a lot of Cody Kessler. In some ways, that's kind of good. And this team's not going to win any games, you know. But McCown's a much better quarterback. It's going to get ugly, ugly if Kessler's in there. But at least you give the rookie that they're high on reps and see where he is. My hunch is if he plays the rest of the year, the Browns will look at him and say, okay, we like him. He's a solid number two for us for the future. If we can hit a home run and you know use our first round pick on a, on a big time quarterback prospect. Um, if 
if those guys fizzle out, we can win games with Kessler down the road. But in the meantime, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, as I mentioned, a lot of running back injuries, and a lot of these we're still waiting to hear more on. I mentioned Peters, Doug Martin, Rashad Jennings, Foster, Woodhead, Rawls, Abdullah, Stewart. All those guys could be missing time. Um, it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. I mean, you look at the backups behind these guys. You know, I really like Sims. Vereen isn't an every-down guy, but he's a good player. Maybe we see more of Perkins. Uh, Ajayi, it was in the doghouse just a week ago. I like Damian Williams. You know, he's a guy to, to keep an eye on, too. Uh, Drake got his first touchdown. Maybe that's, I mean, that looks like a committee to me. Melvin Gordon's played really well this year, so I still think he's the lead guy. But the, the Woodhead, um, what his attributes are, are basically... Um, not easy at all to replace. Maybe irreplaceable. Although I just said that about <laughs> just said that about Keenan Allen, and they just mopped the floor with the Jags. Uh, Rawls, I think they'll be okay. I like Rawls a lot, but Abdullah, or, or I'm I'm sorry, but Michael is there and and impressive. Abdullah going out is big for me, though. I mean, as much as they like Riddick, you can't run Riddick twenty times a game. You know they need each. They, they sort of have a symbiotic relationship where they both can catch passes. You need both available. I don't think you trust the big dogs yet. You know for a lot of carries, the big heavier guys, the Zenners, and the, you know. So I, I thought Abdullah has been impressive. Hopefully he's not out long. Stewart, we've talked about this, and Fozzie Whitaker, waka waka waka, put. Big numbers up yesterday, but I thought that influenced them a lot. You know, you got the Niners on the road, and you really couldn't trust your running back. You know, Artis Payne was inactive. I think he's just a guy. I think Whitaker's just a guy. It, it, I've said this several times, many times through over the offseason. One of the biggest shocks to me was the Panthers didn't use a third or fourth round pick on Jordan Howard. or You know, some kind of running back with some upside to eventually maybe take over Stewart and walk in and be the two. I think that could hurt them. Didn't really hurt them against the Niners, but they weren't able to lean on that rushing attack as much as you would have liked with a big lead. Moncrief got hurt. Um, don't have any more news on that one. Kelvin Beecham went down for the Jags and supposedly a pretty serious neck injury. Uh, hopefully that's not as bad as sounds. Demarcus Ware broke a bone in his arm. I assume that'll mean I'm not looking at it, but I'm guessing at least a month. Although I think Shane Ray will step right in and they have depth at that position. But the Lions losing, you know, Ziggy Ansa. Oh, I mean, who knows how bad that one is, but that's a crucial loss. And they, they've been hit hard, really hard at the linebacker position too with injuries. As you saw in that game, I mean, they were really light on the defensive side of the ball. And, and if you don't know who Ziggy Ansa is or how good he is, he might be the best 4-3 defensive end in the league right now. You know, I think Quinn's really good. Um, I'm probably skipping somebody, but he's a stud. And absolutely, probably at the very top of the Lions list of guys they cannot afford to lose. And PJ, speaking of guys they can't afford to lose, the Saints lose yet another corner, PJ Williams. You know, he was the only guy that looked like a potential salvageable starter you know and he's basically playing his rookie year too um <laughs> how many corners can go down in new orleans so yeah i'm sure we're gonna laugh at new orleans defense although they played well yesterday 
for the majority of this season, and there are going to be a lot of shootouts, like I uh, like I had mentioned, although it didn't happen yesterday. But man, a lot of the resources they've put into fixing their defense, they've had some bad luck too. Um, all right, let, let's talk about the Jags and the Chargers. I'm mad at Jacksonville. That's why I'm picking this game. You know, I, I looked at the Chargers and thought, all right, you know, you lost Allen. You were one of my teams to come back strong this year. I thought the defense would be much better. I thought the offensive line would be much better. We're talking about the Chargers here. Rivers is a stud. But you lost Allen, and I kind of jumped off that ship and said, that's a that's a, just a big, big deal to overcome. You're in trouble. Too bad. That stinks. And I looked at Jacksonville and thought, Boy, you guys are making a lot of good moves in free agency in the draft these past couple years. It's time to step up and be a real organization. To be a nine-win team. To beat teams you should beat. And we talked about this on Friday. Was I wanted to see the Jags go to San Diego, much as Green Bay went to Jacksonville in week one. It's a business trip. Go in there, take care of business. You're the, you're the superior team. Get out of there with a win. Doesn't have to be pretty, but take care of business. What a disgrace. I mean, this was the worst performance maybe of any team all year long. So bad. So bad. Mad at the Jags. I mean, to me, you know, they embarrassed themselves in this game. And, of course, in typical Bortles-Jags fashion, when it mattered zero, they put some. They they moved the football a little bit, and they they got you some fantasy numbers in the fourth quarter when they were getting their heads beat in for the the whole portion of the game. Turnovers, you know, these are the type of games to me that really affect you when I, when you start talking like power ranks. You know that I'm sorry, I can't be on board when I see this sort of performance from Jacksonville. I mean, it's time to drop you 10, 12 spots until you prove to me that you are a competitive team. It's horrible. And is this who Bortles is? You know, is Bortles the turnover-prone work in progress that may never get there? Cutler-esque early in his career. Um, make some big throws, but not do the little things well. And then when the game's out of reach, you come in and, you know, then you do really well against prevent defenses. Is that who Bortles is? I mean, all offseason I've thought that is not who he is. But I've been open to the thought that it could be. You know, that we've talked about Winston and Mariota and Carr and Bortles. And to me, those guys are the next the next tier of young guys coming in to be the next franchise quarterbacks. And more and more, I would say Bortles is the one that I am worried about the most of that group. But the Chargers are... You know, Chargers are on scholarship too. They're getting paid too. And some of the reasons I was really high on them this offseason were the addition of Hayward, corner. He had two interceptions. Secondary played phenomenal in this game. Verrett was all over Allen Robinson. Hayward's a really good player. Um, so I think San Diego's secondary, especially at the corner position, and the defense overall is much improved from a year ago. But, you know, on offense, again... Didn't have Allen, but they didn't really change things. I mean, it was still their usual quick, short passing game, and Rivers is a stud. I mean, he ran it really, really well, but Jacksonville had, like, no answer for it. Like, it's the first time they've, it was like the first time they'd seen the Chargers, that, oh, you guys are going to dink and dunk us on the field with quick passes. I never would have thought that. You know, like, how well prepared were you for this game? You know, that it wasn't like 
boy, the Chargers threw out all these crazy things that we never saw, and we got all these bad bounces. It was like you walked into this game not prepared at all, and that, that's unacceptable, obviously. Um, I had mentioned that I thought the sky was falling when Keenan Allen got hurt, and overall I still basically feel that way, and now Woodhead's out. Um, but the receivers stepped up big in, in Allen's absence, particularly Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin's a good football player and a really good addition to this team. I certainly still think he's more of a two to Allen's one, but played really well against a not very well-prepared team, obviously. Um, mentioned Gordon before. He, he gets a lot of yardage now on his own. Another highly productive day. I, I think he's getting to the point now where I trust him, that he's a... He's a starting NFL running back and maybe worth that first-round pick that they used on him, which that might be a little bit of a stretch considering what we saw from yet last year. But, I mean, how about this? The the last win, I, I wish I had known this one Friday, the last time the Jacksonville Jaguars have won on the West Coast was 2004. 2004! They never, ever, ever win on the West Coast. I mean... What does that say about this organization? I mean, obviously, the, the guys in 2005 through you know aren't the same people as now, but that's unacceptable, man. I mean, you got to go to the West Coast sometime. You've been won there since 2004. You know, this falls on the quarterback. This falls on the coach. Heavy falls on the coach. I mean, is he next to go? Uh, he could be. He could be. Although the Buffalo situation is yuck too. Um. You know, Bortles threw 50 passes in this game. Wasn't really pressured all that much. You know, the offensive line, I thought, played really well. And then Beecham got injured. You know, that's a little concerning. It wasn't all doom and gloom for Jacksonville, I guess, is my point. is You know, the, the, the pass protection held up. They actually did get some pass rush in this game, too. Fowler had two sacks. Malik Jackson, I thought, showed up quite a bit, too. Um, so, at least I'll p- point out a couple positive things from a Jacksonville standpoint. But yuck. I mean, this one just really irritates me. leaves a bad taste in my mouth if you haven't figured that out by now. That isn't going to get it done. That's what not getting better looks like right there. Uh, And you knew it was coming. I'm talking Steelers-Cincy. It was one of the better games of the weekend, one of the better matchups of the weekend, one of the top, you know, opponent battles of the weekend. And hey, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to watch more of the Steelers. When they're playing at one, I'm going to concentrate on them more than the other teams because I do so much local radio and things around here. I have to be on top of that game. So you're going to get a lot of Steeler um, you know, rundowns on Monday. Such is life. Get over it. Well, there's probably some Steeler fans out there too. But lots of rain here in the Berg, you know, and that certainly was a factor, I think, for both quarterbacks. Particularly Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger didn't play well. And he's always been a very good, poor-weather quarterback. But I, I'm not going to blame it all on the weather. But he, he did not play very well. But there was a lot of rain. This game wasn't nearly as dirty, chippy, as expected, fights and whatnot. Um, it was a hard playing game. I mean, they played hard. And obviously, there's no love lost and all those type of things. But um, it, it wasn't a lot of dirty hits and fights and throwing punches like a lot of people thought. I thought it was a big deal that neither Antonio Brown or A.J. Green went bonkers. You know, they both went bonkers in week one. Um, Both were really held in check. Um, Kind of for different reasons, though, from what I saw. was I thought the Steelers' secondary, Ross Cockrell in particular, 
did a really nice job um, on Green. The, 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 the secondary in general, I thought, played very, very well. And so far in 2016, we're seeing, and I thought it was just going to be a Redskins thing, but we saw a lot more simpler zones, less blitzing, keeping everybody in front of you, forcing quarterbacks to sustain long drives. And I guess Andy Dalton and Kirk Cousins have some uh, similarities that way that, hey, if you can complete eight in a row, we'll let you, you know, so be it, you'll move the, the, the football on us. But they're really fast and, and athletic on defense. Now. I'm talking about the Steelers, obviously. They get a lot of people to the ball. Uh, they're opportunistic. They stop the run really, really well. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, is this more Tomlin influence? You remember Tomlin came, I mean, his background's basically all Tampa too, you know, and keep everything in front of you, zones all the time. LeBeau's now in his second year in Tennessee. And last year, I thought we saw a combination of those things. This year, we're seeing a lot more Tomlin influenced. And that's not to say that, that, that the, you know, the defensive coordinator doesn't have any juice. I just think that they're, they're being smart for the quarterbacks they've played, you know, Cousins and Dalton, and using you know, their talent better, too. You know, the, we're fast on defense. We're young on defense. We're not going to we, – we can't afford to blow coverages because we're going to throw all these crazy looks at them. Um, but again, their defense played really well against the run. I think that will be a constant. Um, and they, they kept the, the Bengals were only four of 16 on third down in this game. And to me, that may have been the difference. On the other side, you know, Pac-Man Jones did a real, did a nice job on Antonio Brown. And obviously they helped him a lot. There was a lot of doubling. Um, Brown had a bad drop in this game. Green had a drop too, but Brown had a bad drop in this game. I just thought that Ben missed him a lot, too. You know, a couple times he was open. He threw a pick when he was going his direction. He missed him by a couple feet one way or another. Um, I, I don't know that the Bengals eliminated Brown. And the Steelers didn't eliminate Green, either. But um, I thought Ben hurt Brown a fair amount in this game, too. Uh, as I said, you know, Ben just ben struggled. You know, he, he missed too often, turned the ball over too much. I didn't think the Steelers' protection was wonderful. Uh, the Bengals are obviously a good pass-rushing team. Uh, what else here? Pittsburgh, you know, the second week in a row, and again, it has, it's very uh, defense-dependent. Tight ends were big contributors in this game, too, and I think that's the best way to attack the Redskins. I think it's another really good way to attack the, the, the Bengals at the middle of the field is not as strong as the perimeters against those two defenses. But, you know, they hit a couple big plays to Coates on the outside. Um, I, I think he's going to be their Martavis Bryant type, you know, not as good, but, you know, not as dynamic, not as special. But really, they just rode D'Angelo Williams the entire day. And he wasn't, you know, ripping off eight, nine-yard runs. But they you stick with the running game all day in the weather. That that takes a toll, man. You know, and the Steelers' offensive line is very good. And Ben wasn't super sharp. And you know, they controlled the flow of the game on the ground. That was huge. Again, I thought Dalton played okay. You know, I mean, his numbers at the end of the day were probably better than his tape. Their pass protection was very good. I think that's, you know, highly, but, you know, that, that's certainly a positive for them considering how bad it was against the Jets, but they couldn't do anything on the ground and didn't really even stick with it. Uh, Gio Bernard had a really nice game, but a lot of it was comeback mode, you know, that 
I think he needs to be a focal point of the offense. I mean, with the exception of A.J. Green, I think Gio Bernard needs to be the next most important guy, the most, you know, and early in the game they used him here and there. And then whenever they were down and they were in catch-up mode throwing all the time, uh, they used him a lot, and he was really, really good. And I think he can be more than that. So, big win for the Steelers. They go to 2-0. and Bengals are 1-1. and uh, The Ravens are also 2-0 and in this division. Strange, strange things over there. The other division game, the Browns were 0-2 and, and could go up 0-16. So, that's a wrap for today. Went over a handful of things. We will talk about more games tomorrow, of course. If you're on the edge of your seat wanting to hear about your favorite team, go on the Locked On Network and check out Locked On Lions, Locked On Seahawks, whatever it is you're into. All right, we'll talk tomorrow. Take care. Napa know It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17